Some of you in here feel like you've just come out of great tribulations, don't you? Some of you going, not yet I don't, but I'm going to. It seems like for two months, the messages the Lord is laying on my heart is dealing with and about going through problems and trials and tribulations. Is there, is there anybody in the house that knows what I'm talking about? And it's, I was reminded today in the office as I was reading as to how the word told us that in the last days perilous times would come. Difficulties and hardships. While you're in this world, how many of you are in this world? Where are the rest of you at? <laughs> While you're in this world, you shall have tribulations. But be of good cheer. Almost sounds contradictory. It almost sounds crazy, don't it? To be in tribulations and to be of good cheer. We can be in good cheer in tribulations because we've read the end of the book. We know the end of the story. We know that if we don't faint, we reap in due season. We know that if I keep fighting the fight of faith, I can't lose. We've been talking about this God, that there's two things God can't do. Only two. He can't lie and he can't fail. That's what scripture says. He can do any and everything else and will. We've got to remind ourselves that he's not grown old, weak, feeble, and senile. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's ever done a miracle, he can do one today. If he's ever saved the lost, he can save today. If he's ever given peace in the middle of a storm, he can give peace today. If he's ever given wisdom where wisdom was needed, and I need a lot in my house. Say amen, Glenda. <laughs> then he can still give wisdom beyond our own abilities. He still leads and guides and directs into all truths. He still instructs those that have an ear to hear. The word says to him that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit saith. You got to want to hear what God has to say. Some of you don't want to hear what he's got to say because it's going to require something of you. It's going to require possibly some changes in the way you think, the way you talk, the way you act the way you live. It possibly is going to change, uh, cause some things to be changed in your life that you don't even want to change. Such as, I don't want to forgive that sorry sucker that hurt me years ago. I don't want to. That's your choice. But need I remind you that he says to be forgiven, you must forgive. You can't pick and choose which, of the word, which verses in the word of God you want to obey. Let me rewind. You can't pick and choose the verses in the word of God that you want to obey and please God. You see, the word is clear. It says to him that knoweth to do good or to do the right thing and doeth it not to him, it's sin. It's time you stop trying to remove the speck in your brother's eyes and remove the mote out of your own. It's time you get to a place that you pray the prayer that, Lord, turn that searchlight from heaven on my soul. Look inside of me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Try me. 
Know me. Search me. Look into my heart, into my motives, into my mind, to my heart. What's going on in my life? What are my thoughts? And help me, Lord, to hear your voice. Help me to feel the conviction, not the condemnation, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life about the things that need to be changed, whether it's to do or to not do. You see, the Lord has a much better plan for your life than you can plan for yourself. When we're children of God, filled with His Spirit, recognize and embrace this, that it's the Spirit that worketh in us, both to will and to do His good pleasure. Amen. You see, when we're walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling the flesh, when we're flesh, we're allowing the Spirit to lead our steps. It's working in us to even want to, Andy, to even want to do what the Spirit wants to do. You don't just all of a sudden flip a switch and the do's and the don'ts come to your head. No, it's a work. It's a process, process of the Holy Spirit who is the teacher that leads, guides, and directs us into truth. It's the one that sheds the light on the bread of life and illuminates the Word that makes it come alive to us and helps us to understand what it's saying and helps us to be able to embrace it and walk it out. I will never, ever, 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 ever stop telling you there are no shortcuts to faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. I want you to understand something very clearly. The reason the devil does not want you to know this is because when you know this, you become armed and dangerous. When you know and when you've hid the Word of God in your heart, guess what? You don't sin against Him. He says, study to show thyself approved of God, a watchman that needeth not rebuke. God wants you to study this word. Amen. He wants you to ingest it and digest it and to walk it out. Now, I'm not trying to beat you up and slap you around tonight, but I am trying to stir you, your cake mix a little bit. Because <clears throat> I want you to understand your will can stop or release the Spirit of God in your life to have control. Your will can override what you know. Your will is the most powerful thing that you possess because then you can submit your will or you can stand with your will. Jesus in the garden said what? Not my will, but thy will be done. We've got to get to a place to where, now I know it sounds like I'm chasing rabbits and shooting a shotgun sermon, and I probably am. But I'm not at the place yet that I want to be. And if you are, you're on dangerous ground. I'm not at the place where Paul says, it's no longer I that liveth. There's still a whole lot of I in me. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's still too much of my will in my life that I have got to get crucified and submitted and subjected to the Spirit of God so that my flesh can come in a line to the Spirit of God and walk in the peace and the order of God in my life and in my home and in my marriage and in my family and in this ministry. I want you to understand something. 
all of us, including you, put your finger in your chest and say, me. We're all capable of messing up and falling short of the glory of God. All of us are capable of missing the mark of obedience to what God wants in our life. All of us. Now, most of us don't want to do that. Most of us want to do the right thing. And I'm going to tell you how to do the right thing. Not that I pretend to know everything because I don't. Glenda tells me that all the time. I'm going to walk back down to this end. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how to not do that. And there's not but one way to not do it. The Bible says that if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the flesh. And if you're walking in the spirit, you will be a sweet smell in the nostrils of the Lord. He will be pleased with you because, you see, if you're walking in the Spirit, you're hearing His voice and you're following His guidance. And you'll hit the mark. Some of you tonight are struggling. I listened to the songs that the Lord laid on Skeeter's heart and Kelly's heart and even the praise and worship songs. And I kind of really didn't know what, I really didn't know what I wanted to preach tonight or what God wanted me to preach. I was wrestling with two or three things. I was talking to somebody yesterday in my office, and I thought that uh, Psalms 40 might have been it. And I was uh, thinking about John 8 today, and Glenda was telling me, no, I won't go there. Turn to Psalms chapter 40. I think this goes in line with what we're talking about tonight, and I'll be brief uh, at least an hour. <laughs> I think this goes hand in hand with what we've been talking about tonight, about battling and struggles and fighting the good fight of faith and keeping your eyes where they belong. You see, oftentimes in life, it's not that we have a faith problem. It's that we have a focus problem. We focus on the wrong things. Sometimes we focus more on the problem than we do on the problem solver. You know, I heard it said before, it's not original to me in relation to that. You know that the windshield in the, your truck or car is a whole lot bigger than your rearview mirror. Because it's more important where we're going than where we've been. It's more important that we focus on where God's trying to take us and lead us than some of the failures of the past. See, the devil always wants us looking in the mirror. He wants us always looking at, in the past at the, the times we failed. The devil won't even remind you of the times that you had the successes. He'll show you the failures. But I want to talk very briefly now. I'm going to tell you, first of all, that, that chapter 40... Really, if you'll read it and study it, the, the entire chapter, the, the central theme is about your faith 
persevering during the times of trial. There's a lot said in the Word of God about enduring and uh, persevering. Enduring till the end. He said you have need of endurance. Serving God is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And we have good days and we have bad days. We have days we feel like we can conquer the world. And we have days we, don't, we feel like we don't want to get out of bed. So the entire chapter is about your faith needing to persevere during trials. But I want to focus on the first three verses. Verse 1, chapter 40. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me. And heard my cry and also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. I want you to notice the first two words. Chapter uh, verse 1. I waited. Now, wait is one of those words that I think most of us think we understand. And for those men that are married, you certainly understand what wait is. But I went to Webster's and I looked it up and it's defined like this. It says, to remain until something expected happens. Let me reread that. To remain until something expected happens. To be ready. David, one of two men referred to as a man after God's own heart, and we know the, the heights and the depths that he would ascend to and then he would bottom out with. We know that from his own writings and songs that he knew what it was like to be on top of the mountain and we know that he knew what it was like to be in the valley and crying out, basically, God, where are you? My prayers don't seem to get through the roof. Then we see him in 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We, we see through his writings the heights and the depths and the struggles that he had. But in this passage of scripture, he says, I waited Patiently, In other words, I'm remaining until something that I'm expecting to happen, happens. I waited patiently for the Lord. Randy was in the office today and we were talking about that passage of Scripture. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, to wait. I've shown you this example before, and I don't see any Kleenex up here, but I pretend I have a, a, a dish towel over my hand and a notepad in my hand, and, and I'm at the, I'm, I'm at, well, Jesus, pretend you're Jesus. <laughs> pretend you're Jesus. <laughs> and this is the way I want you to interpret that scripture of waiting they that wait upon the Lord. Yes, Lord. You need me to fast? Yes, sir. Oh, you'd like for me to worship more? Yes, sir. Oh, you want me to... Ooh, 
I'll skip that one. See what I'm saying? You're in his presence. You're getting your instruction from him. He's telling you what needs to be done. And when I come out of his presence, I'm equipped. I'm armed. I will run and not become weary. I'll walk and I'll not faint because I've been in his presence. I've got my marching orders from him. I've had instruction from him. And that's when I can go forth armed in the might and the power of God. And I can expect the Lord to honor his word. A lawyer once said, I know a contract when I see it. That's a legal contract. And I expect God to honor his end of the deal and his word. Well, what if he don't? I'll sue him. But you can count on this. His word says the Lord watches over his word to perform it. I want you to understand that there are conditions. The Lord says, if you'll do such and such, I will do so and so. He's not Santa Claus. He's God. He wrote the rules. We play by the rules. And when we do, we watch him show up and show out. So I want you to change your perspective of waiting from this to like the definition says, to remain until something expected happens. Jesus in his own hometown could do no great miracle. Why? Because of their lack of faith, because of their lack of expectation. We've got to be a people individually and collectively as a church that we expect the Lord to show up. We expect the Lord to confirm his word with signs and wonders in our midst. I want you to understand something. Don't be scared of the power and the grace and the mercy of the supernatural God that we serve. Don't be afraid when you say we want to see the miraculous. Yes, I know there are wolves and lambs clothing that have commercialized and put on a pretense and a show, a dog and pony show made a mockery of the gospel. We all know that, but I want you to understand any and everything that the Lord has that's real, the devil has a counterfeit. But just because the counterfeits get the attention does not stop nor stay the hand of God to do the miraculous in our midst. There's no greater miracle, no greater miracle than the miracle of salvation. You can't save yourself. You can't be good enough. You can't give enough. You can't sing enough songs. You can't preach enough sermons. What I'm talking about tonight is I want to see God alive in our midst, walking and moving and talking and touching and leading us and showing himself mighty and strong upon our behalf. Do you want that? If you do, you can experience it. Or we can just have religion, but I'm out. Get another pastor. I refuse to become religious. Why? It's the only thing I saw Jesus get mad about. You with me? Oh, he come in there, he took them tables, tumped them over, and he did this. He run them suckers out of there. And the day we become religious in here, we need to be run out. 
I want you to understand, I'm not trying to preach some weird sermon here. I want you to understand, I want the reality of Jesus. And I want you to know this. When it's Jesus, it won't be scary. It won't be weird. It'll be real. I love the story. Well, probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Man born blind. Got healed. They call him in, going to use his testimony against Jesus for healing him. And they said, by what authority or power do you see? He had this profound answer. He said, I don't know. But this one thing I do know, I once was blind, but now I see. Amen. You see, I want each of us to encounter him in such a way. We may never be able to adequately explain it, but nobody can ever take from us what he's done in our lives and in our homes and in our hearts and in our church and in our midst. I waited patiently. Some of these trials that you're going through, it's the trying of our faith that worketh patience. And when patience is complete, don't miss this, then you're perfect and lacking nothing is what the Word says. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you to pray for patience. But when it's complete... You see, nothing happens to you as a child of God. It all happens for you. According to Romans, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. So I want you to understand, think it not strange, this fiery trial that you're in. I want you to understand that what you're going through in the end is going to be for your good and it's going to bring God glory and good things are going to come out of it. So I waited. Secondly, verse 1, it says, He heard my cry. My request, my need, and he'll hear yours. Thirdly, verse 2, he brought me up out of a horrible pit. And he will bring you up out of that place that you are. If you'll look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, if you'll trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not unto your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, he will direct your path out of where you are. He brought me out. Fourthly, in verse 3, he gave me a new song. This speaks of the victory and the joy that's to come, the testimony that will come out of that test. That song that he's going to put on your lips and in your heart because you're coming out. You're not staying where you are. We're not going to pitch our tent. <laughs> no, don't go there. Okay. <laughs> Lastly, and I'll close. Verse 3. The last two lines. See, some of the stuff that you're going through, watch this. It says, many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Your life is a sermon. Your life is a book. It's an epistle, the word says, known and read of all men. 
People are watching how you handle the adversity that you're facing. People are watching how you're going through the tough times and tough places that you're going through. And they're watching your faith demonstrated. They're listening to what not only comes out of your mouth, but they're listening to what they see coming, radiating through your life, through your actions. My mom used to always tell me, made me so mad. She'd say, son, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one. Your cover's too short. What? You cover up your head, your feet sticking out. You cover up your feet, your head sticking out. She'd tell me things like that all the time. And now in my old age, I'm kind of understanding what she was talking about. Didn't matter what I said to her, it's the way she was seeing me live. You feel me, as the kids say? It's not a matter of what we're saying that people are really paying attention to. It's what they see us doing. So in the middle of your adversity, in the middle of your problems, in the middle of your trials and your tests, the witness and the example that you have demonstrated right before people right now, even as every day, is speaking volumes. It's shouting loudly and they see it that I'm trusting in God with my, all my heart. I'm not leaning into my own understanding. I'm going to let him direct my path. I'm going to watch how he, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to get to watch. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm going to get to watch God be God in my circumstances and bring me through and bring me out of. Would you bow your head and very quickly in closing, if you're in this house tonight and you're one of those that's still in the middle of trials and problems and adversities, and you need prayer, I'll pray for you right now, tonight. If that's you, could I see your hands? Get it up real quick. Come on, get them up and get them down. Thank you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, you see the hands that have gone up around this place. And God, we, we just, we do put our begs in and ask it. We ask you, Lord, you know the details of their situation, their circumstance, their life. But as they ask you for themselves right now, for help in the middle of their trials, as they ask you to show up and to show out and to arrive on the scene, Lord, I ask you to do what only you can do and do a miracle in their circumstance if necessary. But God, help them to have the testimony of that blind man that was healed. They may not know how it happened, but they know it happened. And they'll be able to say, let me tell you what God has done in my life. Maybe you're here tonight and you need the miracle of salvation. You sit in this place and you're living in sin and you just need to get, come clean with God and ask him to forgive you. Could I see your hand? Anyone, anywhere? Slip it up, slip it right back down. Anyone, anywhere? Yes, ma'am, thank you. Anyone else? Very quickly. Get it up. Lord, dealing with your heart, tonight's a good time. This is your time. Anyone else? Very quickly. You say, Dennis, that's me. I, I'm that prodigal son or daughter that wants to walk close to God, but I'm, I've been away from him for a long time. I went away and did my own thing, thought I had a better plan. But I realized tonight that I need to come back to my heavenly Father. If that's you, could I see your hand anywhere? Anyone? Very quickly, slip it up, slip it right back down. All right, look up here at me. There's a party fixing to go on in heaven. 
because there's one lady that raised her hand in here tonight that wants to give her life to Christ. And the Word of God says that all of heavens rejoice over one sinner that comes home. Now I want you to understand very simply, my prayers can't save you. It's important that you understand the Word of God says that in order to be saved, we can't re-enter our mother's womb and be born again physically, but we must be born of the Spirit. We, you need to understand that his terms of salvation are this, is that you accept and embrace that Jesus was God's Son, that he came to this earth with a purpose on a mission to die on a cross, to shed sinless blood, to redeem sinful man back to holy God. And he died but he didn't stay dead. He walked out of that grave Easter Sunday morning to show us power over death, hell, and the grave. And he has the desire and the ability to save you and to cleanse your sins right here, right now, tonight. You're about to be adopted into the family of God. You're about to become a daughter of God. We believe that in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus then we're saved. So would you bow your heads and I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. In fact, I'm gonna invite all of you to just pray with me. And young lady, if you mean this in your heart and see God knows the thought and intent of your heart. But we're gonna follow his command and let's just pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I do believe you're God's son that loved me enough to die in my place but you didn't stay dead. You walked out of a grave Easter Sunday morning and you're alive today and you're coming back to get us one day. So I ask you now, Lord, to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me with your blood, to come into my life and show me your ways. Help me to learn your voice Help me to learn your word. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me with your strength so that I can live a life that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.